Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hello, I'm Sonia Lorea. And we are so glad to have you guys for episode 37, which is our 60th episode, guys. Can you believe it? Awesome. I can't believe it. Sorry to the people who I just blew your eardrums out <laughs> for getting so excited, but that's so cool, man. I like, know. We just realized that today, though, didn't we? we yeah, didn't we did. We did. I was like looking at our back end of our website and I was like, oh my gosh, we just, we've done 60, 60 episodes. It's so amazing. this, this episode number thing is misleading because we do interviews and we don't number them. So Anyway, yay for that. Thank you to Sonia and to our awesome technical producer, Victor Ho, for getting us to 60 episodes. And That's to you, Lacey. Thank you, Lacey. Yay. Yes, it's awesome. Episode 37, i.e. episode 60, is going to be about what is maturity and who is this Eric Fromm guy we just keep talking about. We're going to talk a little bit about his life, his biography a little bit. We're also going to talk about the stuff that's happening with Cuomo in New York. And we're going to talk about the virus a little bit uh, and give some updates on that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to remind everybody, follow us on Instagram, follow us on YouTube, check out our website. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd love to hear from you guys. What is the website that everybody can check out, Tonya? Is it? Tell me, because I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being honest. Re- re- no, it's fine. It's rethinkinghumanity.us. You're right. I was about to say, but I forgot the U.S. part. But. You know that. You, you knew, but I just know. a moment. I'm totally human. Who's <laughs> a human, guys? Nobody's perfect. So there you go. That's right. Um, hey, so I wanted to also invite you guys to come to our new Rethinking Humanity men's mental health hour that is on clubhouse in the two broke for therapy club Uh, that's on mondays and wednesdays at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific time it is this awesome encouraging space for all of us to share uh to check in how we're doing to talk about how we're doing to have support i can't tell you how amazing it's been just to hear other people talk about their journey and how they're feeling. It sounds really simple and kind of maybe even dumb. And like, why would you do that? Like, that's a waste of time. I'm telling you, it helps you know you're not alone. And the cool thing about it is that you don't have to be just a guy. Go ahead, Tonya, what were you gonna say? No, I just wanna plug it for everybody because Lacey is doing this phenomenal work on that uh, clubhouse room. And I'll tell you, I've popped in a few times and the conversations are very powerful. So I encourage anyone out there to jump on. You don't have to share, but you're gonna hear things that you know will apply to you. It just makes you feel like you're not alone. And you're gonna hear men saying the words, emotionally, I feel, physically, I feel, you know, mentally, I feel. You're gonna hear men saying how they feel. That's powerful, especially in light of what we've talked about, you know, Sonia on the podcast about the patriarchy and how mm-hmm. how much men just don't have permission in our society to do that. Yes, it's really, it's good. I encourage yes. everybody to check it out. So come and check us out. Uh, again, that's uh, in Clubhouse. 
the Rethinking Humanity Men's Mental Health Hour, Monday, Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. All right, Sonia, we are, man, where would you say we are in this virus and the pandemic? This, well, you know, anybody who's, I guess, if you're looking at the newspapers or on internet, you know that we're dealing with the Delta variant now. Um, I know I told you today that we do have 70% of the population vaccinated, but the problem is that this Delta variant, if I was reading correctly, it's, well, it's way more contagious. I was trying to get the number, the statistic in my mind, but it's more contagious than COVID and it's hitting younger people too. Mm. And those people are getting hospitalized since of course it's serious. And I, I also was reading tonight that you can be, you can have it. What's I'm trying to think of the word right now. You can obviously have it and have symptoms and not have asymptomatic. There we go. Be asymptomatic. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a big deal. And I think uh, the message we need to send out is everybody go out there and get vaccinated. And if you're somebody who's worried about it, I'd say get the Johnson and Johnson. It's one shot. And you're going to yeah. have some protection, right? I mean, if you don't want to do Pfizer or Moderna or something. Now, didn't you say that uh, you read an article about a guy who ended up dying, but oh. he was like, I wish I would have gotten, on yes. his death, I wish I would have gotten yeah. the vaccine. Well, there are two. There was one, this guy who, yeah, he died, but there was another one, a young guy who was a gym, went, you know, owned like a gym person. I think he, I don't know if he was the owner or just he worked at the gym, but he was very young, very fit. Mm -hmm. And he got extremely sick, went into the hospital eventually recovered, but very much regretted not getting the vaccine, meaning, you know, he's kind of the picture of health, but right. he was still vulnerable to the vaccine. I, mean, I think I remember you, you saying that um, he was expecting like three, a couple months just to be able to return to work because of the, right. the, yeah. the respiratory intensity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so now these folks that are super susceptible are ones who have not been vaccinated from what I understand. Is that yes, correct? that is correct. So, okay. yes, you could still get it like you and I have been vaccinated, so we could still get the variant, but it would not affect us mm -hmm. the way it would someone who has been unvaccinated. Like we could get a little sick or, you know, I don't want to claim like exactly the level of illness you would have, but it would be, you know, it would not be as severe as if you were unvaccinated. Let's put it right, that way. right. And I think that is becoming quite clear with all the um, data that that's out there. I had a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Richard, who reads on our podcast sometimes. Um, send me some information. I don't. I can't claim that this is like a hundred percent accurate. This is just what he sent me. Uh, but he said thirty five new million, thirty five million new cases in the last thirty days. Most are cases among unvaccinated. 80 million Americans are not vaccinated, Will are saying, hey, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Um, and even if you are vaccinated, you can still get and transmit the mm -hmm. Delta variant. Yeah, that's true. So I, I think that's, and also there's been vaccinated people who have gotten sick, which from what I understand, that's obviously possible. It's happened, but it is not the rule. It's the exception. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, that's kind of where we're at. And I I've, I mean, just to give you listeners who've been with us from the beginning when we started this in lockdown, you know, a picture of where we're at now. I mean, we're kind of in a place where it's like mask mandates are. Well, in the city of Atlanta, they're they're back for indoors. Mm -hmm. um, 
by the mayor, but it's not a, this never was a statewide thing. Um, the governor never made it a, a law here, uh, but, but that's where we're at. Like people are like feeling really concerned again about sure. what's going to happen. And so it's definitely another kind of tender moment for us. Um, it's definitely not like 2019, uh, but it's definitely not like 2020 summer. So right. Yeah. We were hoping to kind of be climbing out of this and the Delta variants hitting us. So, Mm-hmm. My advice is to get vaccinated and wear your mask. Yes, wearing a mask, getting vaccinated. I think those are all great things. And I love um, what you're saying about the Johnson & Johnson. I know that some people really have a hard time with the mRNA stuff. And I understand there being hesitancy. Um, but that's why we have vaccines and we have the research and everything is to prevent illness. It's not to make us ill. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think there's some good research. You said you listened to a good podcast with information about Yeah, that. I did. Um, I did with Sam Harris and they had a doctor on there. So they really dove deep into like the numbers. I learned a lot about, on it. I thought I kind of knew what I needed to know. But, you know, my takeaway, exactly what you were saying um, just now, the, the vaccines created to keep us healthy. So I think the other thing, the numbers get skewed because there is a site that shows you how many people have died. Mm -hmm. But, and I forget what the name of this website is, but it's what they're trying to explain is if the number of deaths is not related to somebody getting the vaccine, they could be dying of natural causes. So that information is kind of sometimes twisted. Mm -hmm. So people throw out a number like X number of people have died and they were vaccinated. Well, as I was telling you today, I could go be hit by a car and be, you know, and I'm vaccinated, but I'm not dying because of the vaccination. I'm dying for another reason. So right. I would just encourage people. Um, I don't want to tell anybody how to think, but check your sources where you're getting your information and, mm. you know, do some digging, listen to both sides. But my, mm. my advice is I'm definitely pro vaccine and pro mask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really hope that we can make more progress through this um, the quicker, the better. And um, don't want to see any more lives lost to this pandemic by any means. So that's a little update on where we are now. The The last thing we wanted to mention today, there's just so much here going so, on. Yeah. There's just so much. Sonia and I were meeting earlier today just to chat about this episode and chat in general. And I mentioned to her this, the Cuomo story. It's Andrew, right? Andrew Andrew Cuomo, Mm -hmm. the governor of New York. And I don't know, I I have to be honest. I want to be really vulnerable with you and with you guys, the listeners, um, that I really liked the way he handled like the pandemic during the pandemic. I was so refreshed by the communication because we just didn't get that from the federal level. We didn't get that here in Georgia on a state level either. And so I didn't really like him per se before that, but I started to like him after that. And then this all started coming out about him, you know, sexual abuse and harassment with some of his staff. And at first I, I'm, I'm being really vulnerable here. I was like, nah, I don't know. I like him. <laughs> I don't think he did anything. And now we're to the point where it's like, yeah, this, you know, this looks like very, very likely that yes, he did this stuff. And so anyway, I think it's, I'm, I'm just making an observation of myself because I was reading one of the articles this morning and I was like, wow, like I really didn't believe 
that any of this could be true or maybe I wasn't as open to believing that it would be true because mm -hmm. I was like, I liked him. And I, I just, it, it made me realize how much our biases, how strong our biases can be to cloud us from like facts and truth. It's like, oh, I, but I like him. And oh, that actually can keep us from being able to accept the truth when we hear it. I agree with you, Lacey. I think that's a very human and common um, circumstance that people find themselves in. I mean, you can have an opinion or feel connected to somebody and then find out things that disappoint you. Um, I also read an article how Cuomo got away with it for so long. It's really fascinating. And I think it kind of fits in with our theme um, in Rethinking Humanity. He mm. is a very authoritarian kind of person, the way he governs. And there's sort of a sense of entitlement and people were afraid of him. And so that's how he got away with it for so long because he, mm. there was a culture of, you know, mm. you're not gonna say no to him. Yeah. And I think um, he did portray during the pandemic sort of this voice of reason and we're all listening to him because, you know, we know Trump was president at the time. I'm not a Trump fan, I'll just throw it out there. But also Trump didn't go, do a good job of communicating right. about the virus and his team didn't, you know? right. Um, in my opinion, my humble opinion here. So yeah. when Cuomo came out um, and kind of addressed, you know, hmm. his situation in his state, but pretty much the country, like they were posting that every day on the news. It was yeah. hard not to kind of look up to him, right? So what we do is we don't really know the person. We're just seeing the image right. of who this person is portraying. And now everything that's come out, which I definitely believe is accurate because they've done a full investigation that there was, mm. he had uh, this environment where there was harassment and there were, you know, these accusations are true. And I believe he's going to be either impeached or stepped down. I'm not sure. But wow. going back to your point, um, I think it's just that we as human beings can feel, you know, can look at someone, I think it's like the celebrity status and we kind of mm -hmm. have this idea of who they are. And then we find out, oh, this is a real person that has flaws. Yes. This is what was so fascinating about our conversation uh, on this earlier. It's like we put these people up on a pedestal and it's like, it's just exactly what I did basically with him because I was like, I like him. And then I put him on a pedestal like, oh, like I get this image of him. He's a celebrity of sorts, you know, and then I just think, oh, he can't do anything wrong. Like he wouldn't yeah. do anything wrong. And that is a problem. And and that is something that, you know, I, I was sharing this with you earlier, but we our society really, really like encourages or makes it easy it enables yeah. us to put yeah. people on pedestals, which is silly because what, who's perfect? Who's so perfect? I, I'm gonna, um, I wanna read just one paragraph because this is so powerful. Exactly what you were talking about, uh, about yeah. Cuomo. So one of the things, comments I wanna make is that this same strong character of his, he was sort of an abrasive, you know, really tough guy. And we mm. liked that because during the pandemic, we were all like, oh my gosh, we're so afraid. So that's the image mm. he, he portrayed, so I'll read you this. Perversely, his abrasiveness may have given him a sort of immunity to consequences hmm. until now, at least when it comes to his public image. Anytime he exhibits terrible interpersonal behavior, it can be regarded as an intrinsic part of his personality. He's established a reputation as a jerk who treats people badly. 
So people shrug when he proves yet again that he is a jerk who treats people badly. His behavior is normalized because it seems normal for Andrew Cuomo. Mm, yikes, I, wow. I like that because mm. what I think that is saying, it's not just about Andrew Cuomo, it's what, how we normalize other people's wow. behavior. Wow. You know, in jobs, in relationships, we're like, mm. well, he's just, you know, that way. Wow. And, and, and that's kind of goes along with your theme of the celebrity status or putting someone on a pedestal. We kind of give them a pass. Yeah. Well, and this is another thing we talked about earlier, but the institutionalization, bureaucracy, <laughs> all that's all Same set thing. up, puts power in one person's hand. And then they are, you know, in, they have, they have a more opportunity to take advantage of other people. Basically. Sure, sure. They're in a position of power. Yeah. And, and, they have, and, and, yeah. and then they freaking use it for a bad, sadly. Yes, yes, for, yes, yes. For bad. But, but I think the point here, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, especially about bureaucracy, Frome writes brilliantly about bureaucracy and how bad it is for us. But basically institutionalization, bureaucracy, you know, uh, power structures. Yeah. The hierarchy, mm -hmm. right. A hierarchy that, that, that's a recipe for trouble, man. And you know, what's so interesting is that if you think about what is it that is like the number one driver of how we spend our lives, I think most people work for a company and mm -hmm. that company now more than ever is probably an institution, it's a corporation, right? And we do whatever they tell us to do. Mm -hmm. They kind of control our lives, you know? So it's quite interesting. I mean, it's like, hey, you wanna have coffee at 10 a.m. tomorrow? No, I can't, I'll be at work. Oh, so you're not actually in control of your life fully. <laughs> wow, that's, I mean, this is obviously it's, layers here it's definitely deep kind of deep stuff but the point is is that the institutions are really running a lot of our lives absolutely yeah yeah that is very true absolutely hmm. so anyways i uh i think that this whole thing is very sad um it's something we've seen over and over again whether we talk about it at in a wakey camp in douglasville my hometown mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. scouts of america where, where else have we talked about this sexual harassment? Other um, institutions, right? Right. Institutions. I mean, it's just pervasive. It's in so many areas. The church. The church. Exactly. Yeah. So so that that's sad. But I also think what we wanted to highlight is just this, how the institutionalization makes it so easy to happen. And one of the things that they talked about, we talked about today, and they talked about in one of the articles we were discussing is how like his staff enabled it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that that was brought up here too. Absolutely. Yeah, and they knew they they had to support him. You know, um, which is sad because you're, like you're it's you're creating this environment that you're obviously able to get away with horrible behavior. Right, and then we have victims who are in mm -hmm. really have a difficult time and in a lot of pain as a result. So really sad. Um, hopeful we can turn the page. You mm -hmm. know? All right, so we are going to transition now to uh, finish chatting about 
society and mental health. Just I want to reset, you know, our, our our minds here with what we're doing, what we're discussing, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Fromm's life and his mm-hmm. um, biography, which is so interesting. I can't wait to share that story with you. But anyways, we have been reading from uh, Eric Fromm's book, The Sane Society. Um, and we have been talking about what our human needs are uh, because he's proposing that if we are going to say um, that our society is sane, then we need to know that the society is accommodating our human needs, our human nature, just like if you were going to you know, bring in puppies, you're going to need to figure out what they need in order mm-hmm. to survive and thrive. <clears throat> so um, we've kind of gone through the human needs that he's proposing and he's seen over his time as a psychoanalyst, sociologist. And now he's talking about mental health and society and kind of how those two um, impact each other. And there's this undeniable, um, you know, impact that they each have on each other. Um, and so before we chat too much about it, I want to read this first part because it's just so good. <laughs> oh, it is just so good. And I think it's a good way for us to kind of uh, kickstart our conversation. So um, I'm going to start here. Um, uh, one um, opinion wants to make us believe that contemporary Western society, and more especially the American way of life, corresponds to the deepest needs of human nature, and that adjustment to this way of life means mental health and maturity. Social psychology, instead of being a tool for criticism of society, thus becomes the apologist for the status quo. I'm going to stop right there um, and, you know, just wait a second, let you guys process that, Sonia, if there's anything you want to say on that leave space uh no keep going and i'll yeah i'll comment for sure though okay um the concept of maturity and mental health in this view corresponds to the desirable attitude of a worker or an employee in industry or business to give one example for this adjustment concept i take a definition by dr strecker on emotional maturity okay so from before i read this from is saying this is one um, thought process about uh, society that is that that's not that doesn't make sense. Okay, um, all right. So he says, Dr. Strucker is quoted as saying, "I define maturity," he says, "as the ability to stick to a job, the capacity to give more on any job than is asked for, reliability, persistence to carry out a plan regardless of the difficulties." The ability to work with other people under organization and authority, the ability to make decisions, a will to life, flexibility, independence, and tolerance. Wow. When I read that, I literally said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Out loud. (laughs) That's maturity? No, that's you forcing somebody (laughs) <laughs> to know how to do everything you effing tell them to do all the time. <laughs> exactly. No, the, those are you going to keep going? Do you want me to come? Yes, but go ahead. I, I'll read it. No, I was just going to say those are, well, it's going to say here that shows you, you know, a good worker, what you're, what you're wanting to get out of someone. Those are yeah. the virtues as he's, as from does say of a, 
like a soldier or an employee or of a big social organization. So you're going to continue reading that exactly what I said. Yeah. I mean, he, he says it's quite clear what Strecker here describes as maturity are the virtues of a good worker, an employee or a soldier in the big social organization of our time. They are the qualities which are usually mentioned in job postings for a junior executive to him and many others who think like him. Maturity is the same as adjustment to our society without ever raising the question whether this adjustment is to a healthy or a pathological way of conducting one's life. Yeah. And I would say it's a pathological way of conducting one's life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, all I could think of is, wow, workism, major workism is what that screams to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, he, he is, you know, it's really interesting that he says advertisement for a junior executive. I mean, that's really the culture, right? Telling you that this is what you need, who you need to be, how you need to be, to be mature. Yes. And we know that goes against, you know, all of Fromm's philosophy. Yeah. And basically maturity equaling a men a mental health of sorts. Mm -hmm. and that being based on the idea that one is adjusted to the society. So as long as you are functioning within the society, you're sane, basically. And right. that's not. Well, and we talked about this in the last, um, you know, podcast is that Frome is saying that uh, society needs to adjust. The individual doesn't adjust to society. It's society adjusting to the individual, which we have it backwards. Yes, 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 exactly. And honestly, that, you know, again, not to get political, but this is kind of personal. That's why I was so excited about Andrew Yang, because he mm -hmm. said we need to make the economy work for us instead of the other way around. And so I, there was so much overlap between what Frome is writing and what he was saying and certain parts of his platform. I was like, this guy, oh my gosh. Yeah, and what I like, and I know I brought it up last time too, what I love that Frome does um, for people who haven't discovered him or for people who are learning about him, he really challenges a lot of ideas of Freud's. And yes. Freud is so well known in the culture. And while Freud did give us some, some excellent um, psychology, what uh, Fromm says is he doesn't just look at the instincts of man. He looks at how culture, a culture affects what we do. And I think that's very important. Yes. Yeah, agreed. And he does go, in, go on in the next section to talk a little bit about what Freud mm -hmm. said and how he was driven by sexual pleasure and destruction, which I think is quite mm -hmm. interesting because Fromm would say, definitely not destruction. He would say love mm -hmm. um, that we were, were driven or I don't even think he would use the word driven. That's kind of what motivates us is love, but also the craving for sexual pleasure is interesting. And there was so much to that with Freud and right. his thought process. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's interesting that from challenges it and he doesn't just challenge it. He gives, like you're saying, um, he gives actually a whole, another way of looking at it where you're right. Love would be what the important aspect for him is where we know he wrote the book, the art of love, which right. is still popular to this day. So that tells you something 50 years later. Yes. Yes. 
Oh, what a great book. Um, yes. Uh, Freud thought that man's aggressiveness had a couple of different sources. One, the innate striving for destruction or the death instinct. And the other was the frustration of his instinctual desires, which was imposed upon him by civilization. So one thing that Freud and Fromm had in common mm-hmm. is they definitely agreed that civilization and society uh, really made a negative impact on yes. humans. Yes. Yes. Now, I would I would say that that is correct. Um, and, and but what uh, Fromm does a little different than Freud is he also focuses a lot, which is so common today that we're talking about is the alienation of man. Mm. You know, um, that's one of the aspects that, and how, and he brings up capitalism because, you know, the market is that makes us keep doing what we're doing is producing, producing. Yeah. And doing that, as we just explained earlier about the worker, you have to do whatever you're told and you have to keep going like an automaton. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, it's clear and some people might freak out that I'm going to say this, but, you know, we are going to talk about Frome's, um, you know, life and a little bit about him in a little bit. But he was not a capitalist at all. No. He was not. And I think for a long time, I probably would have landed a little bit more in his camp. And then then Yang came along. And so now I think that uh, we just need to adjust. At least the first step is adjusting our capitalistic society to be a little bit more, okay, a lot more um, accommodating to us and our humanity. I think that's a good solution. And I also think that there's a lot, there's other solutions. We just haven't taken the time to put the brilliant minds to work to think about them. Yes, I agree with you. Um, It's just that we've been in this same space for so long and, and we also idealize capitalism and we idealize that, you know, getting ahead. So it's hard for us socially to think of a different, of an alternative without people going to the extreme. Well, now you're talking about socialism or, you know, you want to throw away all of what we've achieved. And that's not the case. Like you're pointing out that there are other ways to look at how we run our society. Yeah. And, and that reminds me of something we talked about earlier about how our life in the U.S. and Western society is so much about buying stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's about consuming. It's so much a part of our lives. And it's to the point where, you know, living on a, on a meager salary is just very challenging because of debt, because of, you know, how much it costs to have a car or car insurance like the sweet spot I think is finding a way to be able to live on so little, but it's very hard in this country because our culture is so driven by Mm -hmm. what you have. What are you buying? Everything is about buying, spending money. Everything is expensive, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a point that when you're in the culture, even if you're a person that just can get by with a little, I mean, look at who's around you. There's sort of normal. Everybody's going to have a phone. Everybody's yeah. going to have probably shelter, you know, every, I mean, in your circle, I mean, unless you're homeless, which is very sad. I know people are experiencing that. But what I'm saying is that, so it's hard 
to even if you're not a keep up with the Joneses type person, how about just keeping up with your basic fellow man? Yes. Yes. And then how about like having time to take care of yourself in ways that are actually good for you and important for your mental health, i.e. like, you know, taking time to cook yourself a healthy meal or going to the gym or just doing some type of physical activity because how much time do we spend sitting in our cars on the way to work, sitting, mm -hmm. sitting a lot. Yeah. That's not how we evolved. Right. We evolved to do that. Yeah. Civilization. Um, and I think that's, if you look back, I don't want to idealize, but primitive man was not frustrated because he was like in his environment and his needs were getting met. When you then introduce civilization, yes, yeah. there's some benefits of it, but you're also now frustrated because you can't, get your base, the basic needs, you're not getting met. Well, what's so wild about it is it's like, okay, primitive man needed food, water, community, you know, relationships. And that was, that was there. He, <laughs> he had it. But now it's like everything, all those things, shelter, food, you know, it's like that stuff is like, we work so hard just to have that stuff. Right. What do we do to ourselves, man? Like, right. We, and, and, you know, it's so complicated. <laughs> I listened to this the other day. Probably most of our listeners have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know? Yeah. And here's an interesting thing is that if you live in the world today and you can't get those basic needs met, I mean, you will go insane because you're do, you do whatever you can to get those needs met. And you can yep. just imagine what that is. And there's a lot of things people do. And that we any of us would do because you're just trying to get your basic needs met. Right, right. I mean, and that is the society and the civilization that we've created. Right. Because if you really believe that everyone's entitled to be able to be alive, to eat, to have a roof over their head, to have just you know the bare minimum, we're not we're not really living. We don't have a society that supports that, in my opinion. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so many people agree with you. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys have ever f like not known whether you're going to be able to pay your rent or whether you're going to be able to eat or lost a job and didn't know if you were going to have a job. But I just, if I just, if it has happened to you, I just want to invite you to think about where your headspace was at that moment and how easy was it for you to like read a book or plan ahead or call the government office to make an appointment or remember that you, you know, have a doctor's appointment. I don't know the basic stuff that we all have to do. Right. Okay. Well, guess what? These folks who are not, they don't have their basic needs met. It's not that easy. And it's so mm -hmm. easy for us to criticize them, but we have no idea mm -hmm. what they're dealing with. And they, there's no, there's no getting to the next level until the basics are met. Right. You can't think beyond that. You're just so surviving. You Look, why do you think people steal shit out of people's cars? <laughs> yeah. It's because they need something. If we just took care of them. <laughs> yeah, we would have less crime. Let's yeah. don't talk about homelessness. I get frustrated. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, okay. So I want to read this last part, and then we'll go into the bio, okay. uh, bio stuff. So for, um, let's see. 
an objective examination of the relation between society and human nature must consider both the furthering and the inhibiting impact of society on man, taking into account the nature of man and the needs stemming from it. Um, and he says, since both most authors have emphasized the positive influence on modern society of man, I, in this book, will pay less attention to that mm -hmm. aspect and more to the somewhat neglected pathogenic function of modern society. So, yeah. uh, yes, the next section uh, is man in capitalistic society. Right. So it's going to be very interesting yeah. to see where that leads us. I'm going to be excited about reading that. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Cool. Well, uh, Sonia, do you want to start out, uh, start us out on this bio stuff? Sure. Um, you're going to have to remind me of the exact date. Fromm's birth was 1900. I think it was March 23rd, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, his life is really fascinating for, I didn't know about, you know, his background or all the details. So what mm. I found interesting is that he was raised um, in a Jewish household. So he was exposed, you know, in an early age to Judaism. He eventually, though, turns away from that. And he studies, um, actually, you know, he, he studies various religions, but what really uh, interests him is Buddhism. And I think you see that in his work. Um, what he does eventually, he, he was born in Germany. He eventually immigrates to the U.S. But what I found fascinating, and then I think we'll, you can elaborate, is the relationships that he has. I mean, yeah. he's very well, obviously, educated. Um, I think he did sociology, psychology. You can speak yeah. to the details of his education. Yeah. But his relationships I found very interesting because one thing that struck me is he had, I think, three marriages, correct? Um, three or four, yes. Okay. Definitely at least three. You're right. But what's interesting with each one, I'm sure he learned something in each relationship, this was fascinating. Every person that he got involved with was different. Like it wasn't the same type of person, but they were all uh, individuals that were very passionate about what they did. They were very accomplished. It's true. And that, that I thought was really interesting and different ages, like women that were older than him. Um, yes. I think the last one was closer to his age, if I'm correct, or maybe younger. Right. But I don't, okay. Yes. But what I do, I, I do think is interesting is that his last wife had health issues. So actually yeah. moved to Mexico in a, to be in a better climate to take care of her. So yeah. I think from his book on, you know, the art of loving is going to be written or is written from his own experience of what it means to love. As you've said many times, it's a verb, not a noun. Mm -hmm. And I believe the fact between his educational background, um, him, his growing up in the environment that he did, because he was also in the era of uh, the Nazism too, which right. luckily he did immigrate to the U.S. because who knows if he would have stayed there, what would have happened. So he got to experience many different things in society in many different worlds, coming to the U.S. and then going to Mexico. Yeah. So I think his his point of view is just incredible. You know, so that's my little spiel. Tell me what yes. you've got. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, you know, he, the, the woman that he married last was Annis Freeman, who mm -hmm. was an American. She was born in Alabama. She also had lost three husbands. She had lost three husbands to death. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Frome had lost, I think, at least one. To yes, there was. Yeah, death. he did lose one of his wives. One wife, yeah. right. Um, anyways, but then they moved to Mexico for her because of her sickness. 
Um, and he was in Cuernavaca, Mexico. And then before he died, they moved to, um, he, he, was, he died in Switzerland just a few days before his 80th birthday. So he bought, he, he died in 1980 in March of 1980 and he was born March 23rd of 1900. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much good stuff in here, but I do want to give some context. So where are we getting this information from? So this is just so weird. So I, um, I just, I, we've listened to and talked about the art of loving on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but I haven't bought the book actually. And so recently I was like, I'm going to buy the book. And I just bought the book. Well, it got here and I opened it up and I was like, Oh wow, there's a section in the back. That's about the author. And you know, and one of the guys who wrote this is someone that I've been in touch with through the From society to, you know, just kind of see if anybody wanted to come on the show so anyways, we started reading, I started reading this and I was like, this is just fascinating. And then I shared it with you, Sonia, yesterday. Um, so that's just kind of, where did this come from? But I wanted to share this one part that I thought was so interesting. There's actually two things and we may go a little bit longer than 45 minutes, but that's okay. Um, it says an important force in 20th century psychology from tried to formulate a system better suited than Freud's to the problems of contemporary life. He believed that social and economic factors, not innate drives, had a significant effect on human behavior, which Sonia, you just said that a little bit ago. Fromm's writing was intellectually rigorous, yet accessible to an informed general reader. And a number of his 20 books were popular successes. This is so interesting. Escape from Freedom from 1941 suggested that modern man Afraid of freedom escapes into authoritarianism, conformism, or destructiveness. I think we're seeing that right now. Yep. Diverging from Freudian theory, Fromm saw neurosis as the moral problem of a repressive society. Yeah. Dude. And then, then he's quoted as saying, destructiveness is the outcome of unlived life. Damn. <laughs> That's a good one. Isn't that good? That's I mean, it kind of goes back to what we said at the beginning about not really like being autonomous about with your own life. Like, oh, the corporation says I have to be at, here at this time and do this at this time. I can't. I'm not in control of my, you know, it's it's well, the lacking the autonomy. When you said what's really powerful is the destructiveness is about an unlived life. You think about the people who have gone crazy and started the shooting sprees or that snap. Or I'm telling you, those are, yeah, those yeah. are loner, typically alone, alienated, mm. unfulf- unfulfilled, I would say completely, you know, probably working in a job they hate. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how civilized society creates that, you know, um, there was a movie, I don't know if you remember it, Lacey, it just, it struck me. It's really not my, everybody's going to know it. It's where Michael, um, he's a, I can see him now, Michael Douglas. Okay. He's in his car in one of those traffic jams. He's like a typical like salesman guy with the white shirt, the tie from, oh. you know, and he loses his mind because he gets stuck in this traffic one day that we all do a day in and day out, you know, it's the routine, but something snaps in him because his wife, I think says, you know, she's either divorcing him or they fought. There's like all these things that happen in the day and he's in the car he gets so angry, he gets out and he starts shooting people. I forget Whoa. the name. Everybody's going to know it. It's like where he loses it. Wow. Like he kind of becomes a, um, what's it called when you, you know, like a, you're, you become your own authority sort of thing. 
I don't, and, and I might not be stating exactly if he, I just know that he goes into it. I shouldn't say start shooting people. He goes into a destructive mode, okay. but it shows moder modernity. Like our yeah. modern society, we're just done, 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 done. And then something happens. Mm. And mm. what I, what it's interesting when you're talking about this is I think of insanity and it just matches with exactly what Frome is saying. Mm. That that's, what is the, what's the spark that gets us to lose our minds? You know, both men and women, but anyhow. Yes. That's, that's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> and, and what I love about this unlived life phrase is it's, it's, that potential we have, that disconnection from our authentic selves, that not the inability to live in a way that we are autonomous, the uh, disconnection from being able to be genuine. That yes. is what I perceive that to mean. What happens when you live like that for too long? Destructiveness, whether it's to yourself, which probably is the first step, and then to others later. Absolutely, no. He's, he's just so, so incredible. Yeah. Now you it's, know why I've said a million times, Can where is he? Wish I could bury him. <laughs> okay. So listen to this. I found it just because I didn't want to say this without people knowing what it's about. It was, it was filmed in 1993 called Falling Down. Okay. And it's about a man's odyssey into madness prompted by the effects of modern city life. Whoa. And I remember he gets laid off. He gets laid off from. Work. I thought you were talking about office space at first. <laughs> no, 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 no. So oh, yeah, I don't watch this, man. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of movies. Driven beyond frustration in an endless traffic jam, now on a path of violence and potential self-destructive destruction. So it, it fits exactly what I'm saying. So wow, <laughs> what's it called again? Falling down. Falling down. I gotta watch that. You gotta go watch it, and then you'll be like, oh my gosh, there's so much in this in here that I would love to share, but we're getting close to the end yeah. on time. I want to say this last thing though, because it links back to another episode of ours that I want to encourage people to listen to. Um, it says the art of loving introduced Fromm's ideas about the distinction between self-love and selfishness considered to be one of his most important contributions to the study of psychology. And we talked about that uh, back in February. We did a mm -hmm. series we on did that. It. It's so important. And I didn't realize that that was one of his main contributions. Yeah, I didn't either. So, and, and I've told you, Lacey, that I've read many other books and they will quote from. Yeah. And the art of loving, yeah. This book, man. I, I mean, there's millions of copies I've sold yes. in multiple different languages. So if you haven't read this, we invite you to, um, man, there's, there's definitely multiple other things that I could share, but you know, we're, we're wrapping up our episode here. So we hope you guys had a wonderful evening. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. Um, have a wonderful rest of your week. And uh, yeah, any other last thoughts, Sonia, any part? Well, um, love to hear from people, their opinions and any feedback and just read from the art of loving or, Science Society. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye. Bye.